Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay, sure there's COVID. Sure there's monkeypox. Sure there's Marburg virus. But we have something else to worry about now as well. Apparently, a widely used herbicide uh, linked to cancer is showing up in people with a government study finding that glyphosate, glyphosate, amorphophallus. No, (laughs) that's not right. Glyphosate. Glyphosate. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, It's in more than 80% of urine samples from the U.S. children and adults. Oh, okay. So apparently the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Program with the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, which, I mean, who doesn't read every National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, found that uh, glyphosate... Glyphosate. Yeah. Uh, In 1,885 of 2,310 urine samples... Oh, okay. Nearly a third of the samples came from kids ranging in age from 6 to 18. The International Agency for Research on Cancer, part of the World Health Organization, classifies glyphosate as probably carcinogenic to humans. Oh, so I mean, it's only probably carcinogenic. So you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. All right, so I know today is Prime Day. Uh, Amazon Prime holding the annual summer sales extravaganza. Uh, Today and tomorrow, for those of you listening live, it is the 12th of July, 2022. And uh, they are expecting less of a feeding frenzy for their products. And they also, uh, you know, know that Target, Walmart, and Best Buy jump on the bandwagon of Prime Day to hold sales events as well on their websites. So I know I'm going to, you know, maybe do a little searching around, see if there's any products that I need that are worth the price. But I see a story where a lady, well, a TikTok user titled... uh, at Martha Infused, uh, posted a video about her thrift shopping surprise. I mean, I love thrift stores, always have. Uh, we've, I've talked about it before. I'm a huge fan of thrift stores. I don't like necessarily, they feel like uh, their thrift stores now are, you know, have all great products and they're, you know, they're worth more than they are. But the real thrift stores of finding stuff and finding deals, I love. And uh, Martha found a deal. She bought a a coach bag for $6.99, seven bucks. I mean, I said six bucks, it's $6.99. Okay, so you know, it was fine, no problem. So it was seven bucks. But uh, she posted a video of what she found in the bag. Now, this is what we joke about all the time of people finding stuff and telling us about it and giving it back, or you know, why would you say something? But if this happened to me, I would most definitely have to post about it because it's a fascinating story. 
she bought the bag and then it was, you know, messed a little dirty at the thrift store. But, you know, for six ninety nine, you clean it up, you got a nice bag, right? And so she tells us what happened to her once she got it home. Got this coach bag at the Goodwill. Wait till I tell you what was inside. $6.99 is what I paid. Look inside. It's like dirty, right? Right. So I thought I could clean it up. Of course. You know? So I start working on trying to take this flap out. Yeah, get rid of the, of the purse. debris down there, there. Is an envelope in there with money. Nice. I have three children. They will give my things to Goodwill when I die. So I am putting their inheritance inside all my favorite things. Ah. This coach bag was given to me years ago by my husband's girlfriend. Well, actually, I came home early from a visit to my parents' house in Connecticut. She must have left quickly because she forgot her bag and shoes. I carried this bag every day. I wonder if my husband ever knew this was his girlfriend's. I carried it daily and I am giving it away because my kids don't want it. So go buy yourself a new bag. Love, Martha. That's outstanding. And there's 300 bucks in the bag. So she got, you know, 300 bucks. So for 699, she makes 300 bucks and a great letter and a great story about, uh, it's amazing that, uh, you know, they didn't get a divorce. She wondered if the husband ever knew that she was carrying the girlfriend's purse around forever. I don't know if the shoes fit or not. I don't know the difference in sizes between Martha and the girlfriend, but awesome. There are some stories that I truly, I, I'm not sure I understand. Um, this story from Nevada, uh, talking about uh, a family living with weapons. The headline is, uh, family found living with weapons in Nevada's Children Museum. Oh, okay. Authorities say a couple kept a cache of weapons and lived with their two children at a northern Nevada children's museum. So, apparently, uh, this couple... Uh, was found secretly keeping a cache of weapons and living with their two kids. Uh, uh, What was the cache of weapons? Okay, so they found an AK-47. They found three handguns. They found a pistol. Isn't that a handgun? Uh, Ammunition. Knives. I hope if they have these these rifles and handguns, they have ammunition. Uh, They have knives and a taser. Okay. Uh, what's the problem? Well, they could have been reached by a child. Yeah, they were their own children. Uh, I'm sure they told the children no and taught them how to use it, but that doesn't say any of that in the story. So maybe not. Maybe not. The stash also included drug paraphernalia. Really? How bad? Well, a bong and a used marijuana joint. How dare they? Those druggies, uh, they've got a bong and a used marijuana joint. Hunter Biden, the son of the president of the United States, is posting videos of him smoking crack and uh, showing how much crack he has prior to smoking it all. But we're going to be pissed at this family for a a bong and a used joint? Okay. Uh, A roach, a used marijuana joint, a roach. Okay. So anyway, 
Uh, nobody's asking the real question, all right? So they realized that the family was living in the museum after the two-year-old child was spotted walking nearby unsupervised. The Carson City Sheriff said uh, it wasn't the first time police interacted with the man over his child being left alone. But this time, the toddler's older sister gave deputies the museum as their address. Okay, so wait a second. They saw the child walking nearby unsupervised, but the child was with the older sister because the older sister gave deputies the address. So the child really wasn't unsupervised. I digress. Authorities, along with the museum board member, then walked through the property and saw signs of people who had been living there. Sleeping bags, mattresses, clothes, and food were among the items found in the areas off-limits to visitors. Okay, so they were living there at the museum. Uh, homeless. Uh, I would say that they were homeless. I don't know why they were homeless. Perhaps we should ask. The man was the janitor of the museum, and the wife was a museum manager that was living there. Oh, maybe the museum isn't paying enough money. I don't know. How come two people that are working there with their family, uh, their two children, at least two of their two children, uh, and they don't have enough for a home? Okay. Uh, or an apartment? Uh, the couple has since been fired. Good. We don't want any homeless people homeless. So, also, the museum is closed. I'm not quite sure why everybody is so pissed about the museum. Because the museum's board of directors is now facing questions about how was this able to happen? <laughs> what do you mean? They've got people running the museum and uh, I'd like to know how it happened that you're not paying them enough to have an apartment. And they decided that they could live at the place. I'm not sure that was a bad thing. There was never any, as far as I know, bad reports about the upkeep or the what was going on at the museum when it was open. I'd like to know that. It's not in this story, though. Uh, the, the, uh, the Museum Board of Directors uh, issued an apology and said that they were shocked and saddened, were they? We are looking into the best path to reopen in a way that not only assures the safety of all our visitors, but that we as a community can be proud of as well. So the safety of all your visitors were in, were in peril because this family was living in an area that the public couldn't go to and had some weapons to protect themselves? That's just amazing. Uh, the museum is going to reopen, of course, after hiring a new manager, of course. One parent who lives at this, uh, works at a nearby hotel, uh, Leo Tusachimoto, uh, T-S-U-C-H, no, it's not, her last name is not. Amorphophallus. No, it's Tusachimoto, T-S-U-C-H-I-M-O-T-O who works at a nearby hotel, told the TV station, oh, I wished I had the soundbite of this, um, she will never take her children there again. The entire ordeal has been a complete shock. Was it, Leah? Was it? <laughs> I don't, again, like I said, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I'm sorry that this family was living at the museum. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what, brought on them living at the museum, but I f kind of feel like nobody's life was in peril. 
they had uh, some weapons, some personal weapons. It was a cache of weapons. And they had a bong and a roach. So that made them bad people. Um, I Again, I just I don't understand. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm still stuck on the family at the museum. They, they cared enough for this museum to live there and to do their jobs. Now, maybe they were doing their job crappy. It doesn't say anything about that. I just find it amazing how it was such a this terrible thing when it should have, the museum, this children's museum, should have said, hey, what can we do to help? Uh, just, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I know. I know, it's just me. Hey, as long as we're in the break room, let me ask you a question. Do you like a good snack throughout the day? Here, let me answer for you, because I'm pretty sure it's the same answer as mine. Yes. But you'd rather not pack on the pounds doing it? Again, yes. I've got great news. Built Bar is here to save the day. Yes, they've got so many flavors. There's something for everyone. And when you talk to Built Bar fans, and I am one, they are passionate about their favorites. Uh, They've got amazing flavors. Coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream. My favorite, and more. No matter what the flavor is, if it's under the heading and more, I want it. I mean, I love... You talk about... uh, if you're not being able to pick your favorite flavor, uh, you can get the mixed box where they've got uh, two each of their nine regular flavors. That's a fun box to go through. But then you start eating them and you start getting, well, you know, I really do like the mint brownie. Well, the double chocolate is really good. Oh, I like the salted caramel. Well, cookies and cream is the best. It's amazing. And that's where you get to the heading and more. Yes, please. But Built Bars have up to 18 grams of of protein. They're 180 calories or less, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five net carbs. But you wouldn't know it by tasting them because they taste amazing. You can take care of your sweet tooth and still be healthy. Go to built.com, use the promo code Jeffy, save 15% off your first order. Use promo code Jeffy for 15% off at built.com. B-U-I-L-T dot com. Promo code Jeffy saves you 15% off your first order. Built.com. Promo code Jeffy for 15% off at built.com. Okay, the Emmy nominations just dropped. Uh, They were just announced. Uh, The Emmys are going to take place in September. Uh, the 74th Emmy Awards on NBC, September 12th. Now, a host has yet to be announced for the 2022 Emmy Awards. Don't know who they're going to get. Seems to be like we're running a little bit late to announce who the host is going to be. Last year, we had Cedric the Entertainer. And the year before that, we had Jimmy Kimmel. Not sure who it's going to be this year. Uh, I don't know why Cedric wouldn't do it again. I'm sure he's available. I don't know that, though. Busy man, I'm told. But uh, for anyway, the nominations, uh, 74th Emmy Awards, uh, Best Comedy, Abbott Elementary, Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, which was awesome, uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, 
Only Murders in the Building, really good. Ted Lasso, What do What We Do in the Shadows. I, You know, I watched some of the What We Do in the Shadows. Eh, not that impressed, but whatever. I digress. It's got to be between Hacks and Only Murders in the Building. Um, and I would, I would vote for Hacks this year. Uh, Only Murders can get it next year because their whole second season isn't done yet, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, best Actor in a Comedy, Donald Glover, Atlanta, Bill Hader and Barry, uh, Nicholas Hoff and The Great, Steve Martin, Only Murders, Martin Short, Only Murders, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, wow. Uh, I guess they, they uh, did they give uh, What's Her Face in a Comedy? Did she get uh, Did she get nominated? I don't think so. No, because the best actress in a comedy, you got Rachel Bronishan for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary, uh, Kaylee Kutcher, The Flight Attendant, really good, uh, Elle Fanning, The Great, uh, Issa Rae, Insecure, Gene Smart, and Hacks, but no, uh, what's her face? <laughs> Selena Gomez from Only Murders. Uh, she did not get it. Wow. Incredible. They gave uh, uh, Gene Smart and Hacks for Best Actress in a Comedy, and they gave her sidekick, Hannah Enbinder, for Hacks for Supporting Actress in a Comedy. Uh, Alex Bornstein for Marvelous Maisel, Janelle James, Abbott Elementary, Kate McKinnon, SNL, stop. Sarah Niles, Ted Lasso, Shirley Ruff, Abbott Elementary, Juno Temple, Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddington, Ted Lasso, oh, Ted Lasso threw that. Supporting Actor in Barry, eh, Henry Winkler, they may throw him a bone, maybe. We'll see. Uh, best Drama, Better Call Saul. Awesome. Uh, the final, the last half of the final season uh, started this week, as a matter of fact. Uh, Euphoria, Ozark, which was great. Severance, Squid Game was awesome. Stranger Things, Succession, which is awesome. Yellow Jackets, that's a tough, this is a tough uh, category because Better Call Saul, Ozark, Succession, Everybody loves Stranger Things. I'm torn on Stranger Things. Uh, Squid Game was great. I don't know that it gets best drama, but next to Better Call Saul and Succession and Ozark. Come on now. No. Uh, best actor in a drama, Jason Bateman in Ozark. This is his final. It was the last season. Uh, they might throw him a bone for that. Brian Cox in Succession, always great. Lee Jung Jae, Squid Game. Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul. Adam Scott in Severance. Jeremy Strong in Succession. That's a tough category as well, man. That's some good content there. Best Actress in a Drama. Uh, Killing Eve, Joe DeCorner. Uh, Laura Linney in Ozark. Yeah. Melanie Linsky, Yellow Jackets. Sandra Oh, Killing Eve. Reese Witherspoon, The Morning Show. Zendaya for Euphoria. I know Euphoria is really good too. I know. I get it. Supporting Actress, Julia Garner in Ozark. That'd be, she should get that just because just because Patricia Arquette and Severance oh god don't give it to her the speech will be never ending uh, Jung Ho Yan from Squid Game uh, Christine Ricker Yellow Jackets Rhea Seahorn Better Call Saul yeah she's awesome in that uh, Sarah Snook in Succession yes Sydney Sweeney in Euphoria yes uh, some really great Outstanding Limited Series Dope Sick The Dropout Inventing Anna which was awesome Pam and Tommy, which was, yeah, it was okay. White Lotus, eh, that was pretty good. I, I, I'd go with Inventing Anna. And that is with, what's her face, Julia Garner. So she gets one of those, you know, she'll be happy with that. 
Um, Best Actor in a Limited Series for TV. Colin Firth for Staircase. Andrew Garfield, Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Scenes from a Marriage. Eh. Michael Keaton, Dope Sick. Yeah. Uh, Himish Patel, Station Eleven, Sebastian Stan, Pam and Tommy. Wow. Best actor in a limited TV. I don't know who you give that to because eh, a little disappointing in all of those. I guess you gotta give it to Michael Keaton, right? He's the main headliner of that for Dope Sick. And uh, it was alright. It was our right. Julie Garner gets for best actress in a limited series or TV movie, uh, inventing Anna. So they might take away the supporting actress from her on Ozark. And give that to what's her face? No, she's not in there from Ozark either. So they give it to you know, maybe the Succession. They got to give something to Squid Game too. We'll see. But they give uh, Julia Garner that as a Best Actress in a Limited Series TV movie, and then uh, then they'll they can take it away for the other one. Anyway, uh, what's the best television movie? Best compilation series. Outstanding Variety Talk Series. Let's see what we have, shall we? The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Wow, isn't that good? Jimmy Kimmel Live. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Another great show. No, really, I mean it. Late Night with Seth Meyers. And The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Wow, that's a lineup that, I mean, they all should equally share an award. I mean it. They should all equally share an award. Alrighty, so who died today? Who died today? L.Q. Jones. Dead at 94 years of age, a veteran film and television actor, producer of A Boy and His Dog, dead at 94 years of age, born Justice Ellis McQueen in 1927 in Beaumont, Texas. His first film role in 1955, Roel Walsh film Battle Cry. Uh, He's one of these actors that was I mean, he was in a ton of stuff. I mean, just incredible film. Well, 60 screen credits uh, in, and television appearances. Apparently he died of natural causes at his home in Hollywood Hills. He's one of those guys that when you see him, you'll know him. <laughs> you go, oh yeah, him. That's right. And he produced and directed movies He's, uh, you know, he's a Hollywood guy. So anyway, you'd know him if you saw him. L.Q. Jones, dead at 94. Monty Norman died at the age of 94. Man, that is not a good age today. Uh, Monty Norman, the composer who wrote the iconic theme for the James Bond films, dead at 94 years of age. It was a brief sickness. According to his website, uh, it's with great sadness that they shared that Monty passed away. Uh, very sad. His theme, the first used for the 1962 Dr. No, was continuously used throughout the franchise. 
Uh, so I'm sure that he, uh, you know, expected those checks to continue on. <laughs> and I bet they did. Uh, the British lyricist started as a singer for big bands in the 50s. He composed songs for Tommy Steele and Bob Hope. He later went to England's West End and penned music for uh, the, the 58 production. Of course, you remember this. The 1958 production of Irma La Douce, uh, which was fantastic. The 58 production of Irma La Douce was, I mean, beyond compare. Other projects, I mean, he did stage shows of Songbook and Poppy. He did other movies, The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. Now, he also got in trouble in the early, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, he alleged and that he owned the theme for uh, James Bond. And he sued the Times of London for libel over a story that argued Norman's claim that he was the real composer. He won that case. Uh, that he was a, in 2001. Think how much he would have gotten today. He won in 2001 30,000 euros. A whole 30,000 euros. So he had a daughter with his first wife. And then he, you know, was with his second wife. When I say they had a daughter with the first wife, that means the second wife moved in as well. Monty Norman, iconic composer, specifically for the James Bond films, dead at 94 years of age. Who else? Oriana Pepper of Bury St. Edmund, Suffolk. She was 21. Very sad. She died five days after she was bitten by a mosquito. <laughs> oh, wait. What? Yeah. Uh, she was given antibiotics and then she was driven back to the hospital because she just collapsed after that. Uh, the medical cause of her death was recorded as septic emboli in the brain which are obstructions of blood vessels with an infection by bacteria called Staphylococcus aureus. This is exactly what it is. And an insect bite. No, it's not. Amorphophallus. An insect bite to the forehead. Wow. A serious infection caused by a mosquito. Holy cow. Wear your bug repellent. <laughs> Wear your bug repellent. Okay. Uh, anyway, Oriana Pepper dead at the age of 21 years of age. And when I say who died today, she died almost a year ago. Uh, in fact, today is the 12th of July and she died uh, the 12th of July, 2021. So it was a year ago. So I'm not sure why we're revisiting this case uh, because I guess they didn't like the idea of what she died of. And so the medical examiner uh, said that uh, it was an unfortunate tragedy for a young lady who clearly had a wonderful career ahead of her. So the family has set up a scholarship to encourage other women pilots to enter the profession, working with the British Women Pilots Association uh, in honor of Miss Pepper's memory. So that's sweet, right? Of course it is. Oriana Pepper dead at the age of 21. Rest in peace.
Then we have an unidentified swimmer who died. Uh, rest in peace to unidentified swimmer. And Iowa Beach is closed because of a rare life-threatening infection of the brain uh, was confirmed in a visitor who recently went swimming there. So, look, the closure is a precautionary response to a confirmed infection of the Nagaleria fowleri, better known as... Nagaleria fowleri. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> it's a microscopic, single-celled, free-living amoeba that can cause a rare life-threatening infection of the brain called primary amoebic meningoencephalitis pam it's called pam so <laughs> if you catch Nagleria fowleri could lead to pam which is primary amoebic meningoencephalitis exactly so it really isn't rest in peace yet because the unidentified confirmed visitor has only been diagnosed with having this disease so only you know 154 known cases have been identified in the united states now you know in 2021 uh, north texas uh, child died after contracting the rare brain eating amoeba so a 10 year old Texas girl died in 2019 after battling the brain-eating amoeba. So I guess you can still survive, uh, but it takes quite a bit. So it's not rest in peace yet. I apologize, unidentified swimmer from Missouri. But good luck. God bless. Okay, let's uh, talk about mom and dad fighting for a little bit. Not the real mom and dad, but let's say police departments. I see we've got some, a couple of great stories from police officers. In the, police in the news. It's not really. Well, it is crime. It is, you know what? It is crime. So a police officer in Apopka, Florida, uh, was pulled over for reckless driving. And you know what? Big surprise. He was drunk. <laughs> so there's somebody reported uh, reckless driving of this police vehicle and another police department uh, pulled him over and he was slurring his words. They thought he was having some sort of medical issue. And then, uh, no, he said he, he said he had uh, allergies and he'd taken some Benadryl and he wasn't feeling well. And then we couldn't barely get out of the police car. And then he said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I've, uh, I was drinking. Yeah, I was drinking. I had consumed about three tall boys of Modelo at home. Never mind those empty cantators in my car. <laughs> so they show him getting out of his car, giving the police officers his weapon. And uh, good luck being a police officer at the old Apaca Police Department anymore as you're arrested for DUI. Then we have uh, two police officers in Georgia 
arguing with each other. A, well, a sheriff, a county sheriff, and a local police officer of Hiawassee. So apparently what happens is, and these two guys have gotten into it before, uh, Hiawassee Police Department, uh, when they go to pull people over, people don't pull over until they get outside of the city limit. And that's when the county sheriff steps in. (laughs) So I guess there was a time not long ago, a couple weeks ago, when uh, Hiawassee was in pursuit and the sheriff called off the pursuit and the police department continued on with the pursuit and so that they've been fighting amongst themselves over that and they probably don't like each other much anyway uh the sheriff has said that uh they are not friends with the hiawassee officers in fact uh the sheriff tells his deputies do not fraternize with hiawassee officers they're enemies <laughs> oh, I mean, they're enemies of the sheriff's office, obviously. But they got into it, threatening to arrest each other at a traffic stop because the Hiawassee Police Department had pulled over a guy and the sheriff came up and was taking over the stop and letting the guy go. And Hiawassee Police Officer was unhappy, to say the least. Inside the city or out here? Just right here. Okay. Go pull the video at Valero. You get on my traffic stop again, I will arrest you. Yeah, I'll arrest you. I'll arrest you. Do it. Charges. Do it. 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 There's cameras at Valero and there's cameras at Napa that see you pulled out. Shut your mouth. You don't talk to me like that. I'm not your boy. I'm not your boy. Thank you. Thank you. And he storms back into the hot. Thank you. He is so pissed right now. Thank you. He thinks he thinks he's got him. That's tremendous. He, he thinks he's got him because uh, he's on video telling him to get back. But that's in the beginning. You hear him say, was it right here? Yeah, it was right here. Okay, that's my jurisdiction. No problem. Then you have a good day now. We'll get out of here. Oh, man. <laughs> that's good stuff. That's good stuff when mom and dad fight. And of course, now there's an investigation from the county attorney's office and there's going to be, you know, the video is a result of a broader issue that needs to have further investigation. And, you know, they, Hiawassee Police Department say, look, we strive for excellence, of course, and they have jurisdiction if the infraction started inside their city limits. And the sheriff is like, uh, well, uh, you know, if uh, it happens in uh, outside of your city, outside of your city limits, it's my jurisdiction, and I'll arrest you. <laughs> I know it's not fun when mom and dads fight. I got it, but I know it's a little, it's a little funny. And then I see where two Flagstaff police officers went undercover to massage parlors took their pants off and allowed themselves to be fondled eight whole different times. And so now they're in trouble for that. Uh, I mean, Homeland Security Investigations has launched a months-long investigation to try to stop suspected human trafficking and sex trafficking and prostitution. Huh. So how's that working out? Because everybody was undercover and they're looking for sex traffickers and they're going to these massage parlors. I wonder if they've busted a bunch of people for sex trafficking 
uh, while this has been going on. Well, no, darn it. Not a single trafficking victim had been identified. Now, I know it's, it's wrong and there shouldn't be all of this nasty sex stuff going on at these massage parlors. No, really. But, uh, you know, you get them for prostitution or whatever, but they're, to bring in the feds for trafficking, I just, uh, every time we do one of these stories, they never talk about the trafficking, except that, yeah, not a single trafficking victim had been identified. Oh, oh, okay. Now, the police officer claims, you know, he, I, don't, I didn't know where to stop. <laughs> I paid cash. I rolled over. I took off my boxers. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know where to stop. Uh, I, I just didn't know what to do. So I continued to, you know, let the whole engaging and sexual touching happen. Oh, okay. Uh, no problem. Well, it is kind of a problem and people are a little wound up about it, but we'll see what happens. I know that, uh, they said every day, uh, Homeland Security agents around the globe work to uncover, dismantle, and disrupt human trafficking. Yeah, we know. Okay. And due to operational security and officer considerations, the agency does not discuss investigative techniques or comment on internal deliberations. Right. Okay. No problem. One of the officers wrote in a report there would be a good likelihood that we would encounter someone who was at the parlor against their will, although uh, they could never find one. Huh. So we'll see. I know they believe that all these people at the massage parlors should be treated like a domestic violence victims. Okay. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times they find drugs and they're saying that these women can't be, you know, they can't leave. So, okay. Uh, we just know that when conducting undercover investigations, it's vital to ensure that any offers to participate in prostitution originate from the person who's under investigation and not from the undercover officer. Therefore, officers entered the establishments under the auspices to obtain legitimate legal massage and waited to see if the individuals in the establishment would offer to participate in sex acts for money. There was an additional concern of potential language barriers that could prevent the officers from just asking for the sex acts for money without fondling taking place. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. We were all jammed up and, you know, I went in to try to arrest them and uh, we were trying to talk. And one time, I, you know, I placed a hand on the back of the female's calf and Appeared to let them know I was okay to solicit sexual favors. That's it, though. (laughs) That's it. You know, what am I going to do? We stocked out eight parlors. We walked into each one with our recording device, paid cash, rolled over, and took off his boxers. What else are you going to (laughs) do? I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. You know, maybe... uh, I don't even, the agents, this particular investigation was called Operation Asian Touch. (laughs) Cannon, tonight's episode, Operation Asian Touch. I will say that it makes one want to get a massage. Maybe it's just me.
review and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.